Hi, I'm Lori Jones, president and CEO of Avocet Communications and host of the Integrate and Ignite Marketing Podcast. Join me and my guests, some of the world's top innovators, disruptors, and visionaries as we explore bold and brave marketing strategies for scaling and growing your brand. From a home basement to offices in Toronto, New York, Fort Collins, and London, from a single local client to a multitude of global customers, from a startup to a $30 million company. That's the story of my guest, Ernie Crawford, president and CEO and founder of Crawford Technologies. Over the last 25 years, this entrepreneur has grown his company into a leading provider of software solutions and services that help enterprises optimize the secure and accessible delivery, storage, and presentation of their customer communications. Be sure to tune in to my conversation with this innovator and learn all about building a successful company from the ground up, the latest development in AI, the growth of cloud adoption, and aligning visions with your entire team, including marketing communications. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. I am thrilled to have Ernie Crawford join the show today. Welcome. Oh, well, thank you, Laurie. I'm glad to be here. I tell you, you are such an inspiration. I'm so excited to just dive into uh, incredible insights and wisdom that you're going to share with us today. Before we get there, tell us a little bit about yourself and this empire, this great, great company, Crawford Industries, that you have built. Uh, well, Crawford Technologies was, uh, um, I guess, going back in time, I, I came from a, an entrepreneurial family. Um, you know, my uh, grandfather had several uh, hotels and and uh, resorts and that kind of thing. And and uh, um, came a time when, you know, I was went to school to, you know, I'm going to learn how to be an, on, you know, an entrepreneur. And, well, you know, I had already picked that all up, so that didn't work out. <laughs> but I, I had a computer science and professor who was just inspirational. Mm. He was just kind of off the wall and just, you know, uh, idea after idea and bouncing around. And it was really, I thought it was pretty cool. This was something really new. So, you know, I uh, uh, went for it, got into that and uh, got some experience with a number of companies. But I knew, you know, eventually I'm going to start my own company because, you know, entrepreneurial ship was in my background and uh, that's where I needed to go. So uh, um, yeah, I'm glad it worked out. Well, I'm certainly glad it worked out too. You provide a lot of jobs uh, to people across the, the nation. Tell us a little bit more about the size of the business now and, and really where, what you've grown it to become. Yeah, we've just uh, um, are between 30 and 40 million in revenue and um, about a hundred and I don't know, 160, 170 employees, somewhere around there. Hard to keep up. Yeah. And uh, um, it's, uh, you know, our, our customers are a who's who of uh, a business because we're a business B2B company and big banks, insurance companies, healthcare, governments. Um, our, our customers are telcos, the, most, of the, most of the big ones are customers of ours. So, you know, we... Uh, uh, you know, are in that in that segment of large organizations that uh, push us pretty hard. Yeah. Well, I think that enterprise mindset is a good, good mix with that entrepreneurial mindset. 
because they're looking for innovation and uniqueness and inspiration and everything that they can provide their customers. And you do that. Explain us to us a little bit more about the product and products, because you've got many, um, that you supply these very important customers. Sure, sure. Well, we have, I kind of break it down into three uh, kind of business areas that we're in. And we started in the, uh, the whole, what was called enterprise output management. And now it's uh, uh, been called various things over the years, customer communications management, CCM, or ECP is the latest uh, term for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's kind of like marketing terms. They're constantly changing. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> they had, you know. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, and that, that is basically taking documents that are um, being sent to customers and being able to distribute them any way that they, um, that the customer really wants. That's our, uh, our why, our reason, mm. our raison d'etre is to uh, make it easy for businesses and agencies to communicate with the people that they do business with in the best way for those individuals, not for the company. And you know, we started uh, shortly after the internet was uh, was out, and uh, uh, one of our first partners was in what they called electronic uh, bill payment uh, or presentment and paint payment. Mm -hmm. um, so taking those print files that would normally be printed and mailed to you, and being able to put the put the documents online, so you could you know go online, take a look at your bill and then uh, pay it however you wanted to pay it. I just did that with Comcast this morning. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it, and it, it's created a lot of paperless, uh, less friction uh, when it comes to that sort of stuff and, and technology alignment. Um, so now I fully get it, uh, Ernie, uh, you've, you've made my life a lot easier, which is what those <laughs> enterprise customers want. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, and, and and we started this back in, I guess it was 90, well, 95, I started the company and 96 was our first contract in that area. So mm -hmm. we've been doing that for a long time. And yeah, um, we have, you know, um, most of the big, big billers and that are using our software. So somewhere behind the scenes, or when you click on that statement to look at it, it might be our software that's retrieving it from a repository someplace, converting right. PDF, PDF and putting it in front of you. Um, and uh, so that's one of our core areas. And the other one is, um, well, the kind of tangential to that is archiving documents so that they, they can keep them around so you can look at them online for, you know, as long as needed be, right? And, you know, b banking now, that tends to be about seven years. But in insurance, it could be the the life of the policy. Mm -hmm. So if it's a life policy and you uh, live to be a hundred, which I hope you do. I hope uh, so too. A <laughs> <that laughs> policy might be out there for a long time. Right. Right. So, um, so well, we, that's uh, great. One of the things that I think is so interesting about you. So audience, uh, I always have a pre-show discussion with our guests and I just want to get to know them a little bit. Um, and understand a little bit more about really what their inspiration is and how they can inspire all of you. And Avocet is a, a communications firm, as you know, that works with uh, innovators, disruptors, and visionaries. And a lot of times our guests are one of those categories, but Ernie, you're all three. I take a look at the innovation that you're constantly trying to stay ahead of 
how these disruptive ideas come to you um, just out of the blue and then how you truly do vision the company and move it along. I mean, look at, you know, look at what you've done to grow the business. What is a typical day like for you when I mean, most of us just can't stop thinking, right? You never turn off when you own your own business. And when you've got that mindset, you could be an engineer working for a global company and still have the same mindset, but, but you, you are, you know, you are there each and every minute of every day thinking about these sort of things. Well, yeah, I, you know, I guess I'm, um, uh, I, I look at it as being a problem solver, you know, right. And when I see a problem or somebody, you know, talk to a customer and they tell me about, you know, the problems that they have or the challenges they have. And, you know, I'm, my engineer's mind is going to work. Well, how can we solve that? You know, um, as we built our, our software and a lot of uh, discrete components that we then tie together. So those components can be mixed and matched to do lots of different things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just a matter of, well, we can add a, a few lines of code here or um, and make a little change here and, and you know, voila, we've got a, a solution for the customer. So um, we get a lot of, a lot of ideas come out of that sort of, that sort of thing. We also have, you know, brainstorming sessions with uh, our salespeople, our, you know, our pre-sales people, our system architects and developers and that sort of thing all the time to come up with ideas and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the scary part is our pipeline, all of the the things that we'd like to do is huge. <laughs> <laughs> that's Better. where the light, that's where the light never turns off, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the, one of the challenges uh, when you think like that is how do you get to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I'm, it's, I mean, it's very true. So you're constantly innovating. Um, you're trying to stay, you're trying to create trend, not just stay ahead of it, but create trends uh, with your solutions. How do you make sure that you're already, that you're constantly providing reliability at the same time? Ah, good question, Lori. And that's one of the things that I have, we built in probably, you know, five years in, we built a quality assurance system of our own. And uh, <clears throat> it's used uh, primarily as a uh, regression testing facility that um, lets us know it, when we make a change to the software um, that we haven't screwed something else up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> can happen. Can happen, right? And and uh, so we we run every night. Um, our the our regression tests run hundreds of thousands of tests every night on every platform that we support. And in the morning, our QA people come in and they can see the results. Did anything that the developers did yesterday screw up something else anywhere? And and uh, they can then drill in on it right away, get the developer involved to get a fix for it. So it it lets us know at any point in time, the status of what our software, where, where it's at, how. Right. How, uh, how clean it is so that if a customer has an urgent problem and, you know, you know, when a, uh, a fortune 10 company has an urgent problem, you got to be on it right away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that. Uh, you mentioned brainstorming sessions a moment ago when it comes to product development and, and I'm sure many other processes that you've got deployed in the business. There are a lot of very unique ways um, that CEOs and really the C-suite 
like to deploy those sort of sessions. Is there any secret sauce to how you manage a brainstorming session with your team? Oh, standard brainstorming rules, you know, um, no editing, just new ideas. You can build on other ideas, but, you know, don't criticize somebody else's idea, you know, no sarcasm, that kind of thing. Just you have to enforce those kinds of rules because right. people will very easily get off the rails and, and start editing, you know, instead of just brainstorming ideas. And uh, then afterwards you, you, you pull it apart and say, well, what really does make sense? And then right. we'll into it later. There's a great author out there. Her name is Carla Johnson, and she wrote the book Rethink Innovation, and she's got a great process for uh, innovation development ideation. And she's always said that it takes 100 ideas to get to an idea that you can ultimately implement. Uh, so I don't think people are doing enough brainstorming these days, uh, or they do it independently of one another, and there's so much glue and stickiness when you're in a room together and you feed off one another instead of building that independently. Oh, that's absolutely right. Yeah, that's where 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 the magic in brainstorming is getting the yeah. team of people together that are all, you know, um, they don't have to have, all be like-minded, but all looking for, you know, a good solution. And if they have varied backgrounds, different perspectives on things, um, that's when you will get even better ideas, you know? Right. Now, I know that client uh, centricity is something that's very, very important to you. And when you've got these very large, you know, top 10 enterprise clients, uh, maintaining client relationships is absolutely key. Uh, how do you go about doing that? Oh, well, we uh, one of the interesting things, when, when I started the company, I had come from a, uh, a background, uh, I'd worked as a, a systems programmer for a number of years and had to deal with uh, the support structures that organizations had in place um, for for mainframe software, and you know the the uh, it was frustrating at times because when you call in a solution and somebody calls you back and they're level one and all they can do is really take your name and address or phone number or whatever and you know promise to get someone else to come back to you in a while and so you sit and you wait and you wait and you wait and I said no that's not the way to do it. We need to have people on the front line dealing directly with the customer that 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 can answer the questions on that first call, rather than have to go through two or three calls to get to the person that can give you an answer. So um, that has helped us immensely. You know, it's our net promoter score is over seventy. Wow, is, that's massive. Know, and that's from being able to you know deal with the customer with people that really understand them. You know, most of our uh, people in frontline have worked in the customer environment. So they know what it's like to be on the other side of the fence, you know, so they, they understand when the, you know, customer has an issue, you know, they'll ask them, when do you need, when do you need this fixed? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll, they'll then strive to make sure that our whole organization can line up behind getting that change, that fix, that whatever it might be, uh, an enhancement, an idea, you know, as, as to meet that schedule. And you know, it's, in, it's interesting as you're explaining to that, uh, that it, it's really a form of personalization, right? Um, and something that you deployed many, many, many years ago at the forefront of developing those customer relationships through personalization. Now we've got AI tools and, you know, things that feed the customer details specifically to what it is that they could use to troubleshoot. 
how have you managed um, and, and weighed the core differences between AI computer-driven problem solving versus human interaction when it comes to that? Um, good question. We've, we've looked at that, um, but our customers are all doing such unique things that when they have an issue or a problem, it is uh, usually something off the wall. It's not something that any- Those are um, the fun ones, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're known for that, handling the challenging things. And, right. Um, you know, the run-of-the-mill stuff. I mean, those, we have a, we have a, you know, a, an online database. The customer go look that up themselves and they don't even have to, to call us. So, you know, we've been, had put that in place uh, decades ago so that they could yeah. get the easy one solved themselves without- having to, to come to us. Yeah, you really, really are ahead of the curve. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And setting trend. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Quite often, even with our clientele, we learn, sometimes it's very quickly, but it, but it can also be several months down the line that the two organizations' visions may not be aligned. Um, and I'm not talking the vision to get product from A to B. I'm just talking the cultural the operational, the high-level vision of, of where we want to take brands and where the brands want to go, and all of the human interaction that comes with that, how we treat our team members, how important they are to the, the, the company. We recently let a client go um, because their visions were not aligned with ours. They were bullies. How do you, and that's a hard thing, that's a hard choice to make. How do you, when you find out something like that, do you find it out before and say, I don't think that this is going to be a good fit? Do you find it out later and say, okay, we need to do some revisioning so that we're more aligned? Or do you find it out later and walk away as we did in this situation? Um, I guess there's both, both happen. Um, yeah. you know, we, we, we try and, and, and drill down, um, in the early in our, in our sales cycle with the customer to understand what it is that they, they need and what they're trying to accomplish and, you know, how they go about things. And, um, if, if there's not a match, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let them know they should go somewhere else. But, um, and once in a while you get a customer that's, uh, that's a tough one that you, you really, um, they, uh, uh, it's not very often though. I mean, we had, we've had a couple. Thank where, goodness. Where, right. Yeah, exactly. We've had a couple that said, well, you know, we don't think this will work for us. Um, our other vendors telling us they can do it. And so they go off and do it and then they come back. A they always come later. back. They come back. <laughs> they always come back. Even the clients, you know, even those great clients and I'll say it's great people that, you know, we often just have to walk away from, they typically end up coming back as well. And, and they, it's, you know, they, they learn that lesson, um, through another right. vendor and say, okay, now we've got to start listening to these people. Um, and there's, there's something that we, we then need to change as well. Yeah. we we had one come back just last week and it's, oh, uh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. It's it's good feeling when that happens, you know. You know, you talked about the net promoter score, which I think is is fantastic. How do you create that continuation 
information, that constant feedback loop. So you're hearing back from customers on areas that you might want to improve, change, or you know, really continue doing on a big level. Well, our our frontline people do a lot of that. And when they, you know, when they sense that there's something bigger, uh, we'll set up a meeting with the customer. In fact, I'm, I'm just in the middle of planning one with one of our larger customers now, uh, where we'll uh, open our kimono and, and talk about our roadmap and they'll talk about their roadmap as to what that's they cool. need and where they're going, you know, and then we'll, uh, we'll see where we mesh. In fact, when I started the company, that was one of the things that I did on a regular basis with, uh, with one of our first customers. I'd get together with the manager there every, about every six months we get together for lunch mm. and he'd tell me what they had coming up in terms of needs and requirements. And I'd kind of tell them where we were going with our technology. And, you know, pretty every one of those lunches I left with, with uh, essentially some things that were going to turn into orders and, and projects for us with yeah. that customer. And uh, it was pretty consistent. It was, it was great. And Which, the thing that I love about that is, I am certain that they weren't feeling as though they were being sold to. You were genuinely interested in a very consultive way of knowing what was, you know, where their roadmap was moving so that you could ultimately meet the need that they were going to have and not be rushed to develop a new module or a brand new product uh, and possibly lose them. Oh, exactly, exactly, and and we were able to you know meet them where they wanted to be, be able to help them get to where they wanted to get to, and so it was mutually beneficial. It really helped both companies, uh, um, and uh, you know they've grown to be one of the the biggest uh, companies in their segment. I love it. Uh, Reminds me of that uh, television commercial where a um, brand they they get fired by their largest client, and the the CEO ha is talking to the whole team and he hands out airplane tickets to everyone and says, we're now meeting one-on-one -on -one with all of our customers because it's that important. And that's, I, you know, it's, it's hard. Uh, I think it's so incredibly important to have those one-on-one -on -one relationships, those one-on-one -on -one conversations. How do you manage that in a virtual world? You have to have big travel budget. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No, and our, our salespeople just, you know, love to get out and, and, and meet with customers face to face. And, you know, the, during the, the pandemic, they were pretty frustrated. Yeah. And uh, they're now happy they're out there uh, meeting with customers on a regular basis yeah. and, and be able to, 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 uh, you know, to, to get that, the feedback from the customers. And, um, That's and, great. How big is your sales team? Oh, well, our sales and marketing, um, about 40 people, I guess. Yeah. They're real salespeople, you know, it's maybe uh, uh, 15 or something like that. Yeah, that's great. How do you align and bridge sales and marketing so they're truly walking down the same path to help one another? Ah, another good question. That's that's a challenge. Um you know, one of our one of our uh, managers uh, has a, had a very uh, descriptive way. If if the uh, marketing and salespeople uh, saw each other in the parking lot and actually waved e at each other with all, <laughs> with, with all five fingers, they were doing well. <laughs> it's so uh, funny. 
it's uh yeah it's a challenge it's and again it takes it takes a lot of uh getting together you know when we have uh um sales kickoffs and things like that uh, we'll get everybody together and and uh they'll uh, they'll get the chance to to talk about whatever ideas they have or frustrations they have and and yeah. um you know it's always when, when when in those meetings when the marketing people are presenting and they start talking about lead generation that usually gets to be a real hot topic yeah. <laughs> it's always that quality right yeah. um yeah, it's always the quality of the lead, I think, which is something that marketing and sales teams constantly discuss. Uh, so you're no different there at all. And it's uh, the strategy backing it up is where we usually have to roll things back a little bit and say, okay, is this the right approach um, with the right you know, channel, uh, with the right tactics? And I think a lot of times people um, forget also that it takes 26 times for a individual to interact with a brand before making a buying decision. And that interaction, yes, is sales calls, it's emails, it's seeing them at a trade show, it's someone else talking about them, you know, in the industry. And so patience is king when it comes to, you know, especially an enterprise where the sales process can take a little bit longer. Oh, absolutely. It, it, they're, they're, they're long sales cycles, you know. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, I think our record was six years. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I might have you beat on that, by the way. Oh, I landed really? a company after eight. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I did. I, and it was, I, yeah. I had one like that too. It was one of our OEM partners. That, That's uh, a great feeling. Yeah, it was. Every every year I would see them at a trade show. And mm -hmm. uh, then finally, after eight or nine years, they said, yeah, we let's do something together. And, and, yeah, that's great. You know, it's interesting. There are sales organizations, there's marketing organizations, and that there's sales and marketing organizations. And the most successful um, programs that, or companies rather, that create faster growth are those where they've got that sales and marketing alignment. They're truly working step in step. But one of the internal rubs between both departments is which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? How do you work with your team to help them understand that it's not about that; it's truly about the alignment going into it? Well, we yeah, we have a, a product team, uh, product marketing mainly um, that kind of fits between between the two, mm -hmm. and some of them have have been you know sellers before, so they they know that side of the business, and they've been marketers before, so they 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 bridge the gap pretty well. They can talk to both, and um, and they're also, uh, you know, experienced people in the industry. So when we we do a lot of uh, thought leadership content and things like that, and and so they're able to do that. And they they can also talk to directly to the customers, and customers will you know listen to what they say because they've got the experience. And um, and the salespeople you know look up to them, and we'll we'll bring them in anytime they can. Right. How are you generating new leads with marketing at the forefront of that thought leadership uh, deployment? Well, we do we do a lot. We you know we uh, are active in a number of industry associations, and um, so we do a lot of speeches at conferences. Uh, there's one coming up in in November where I think we're going to be on at least six or eight panels and presentations that we're doing there and 
And so we do a lot of that kind of work. We do a lot of webinars, uh, either in conjunction with industry associations or on our own that uh, let us you know, go into to deep dives on topics. And we do a lot of articles in, uh, in the trade magazines and, and mm -hmm. uh, websites and that kind of thing. And that helps out a whole lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And and it's interesting to see a technologies, a product technologies company that's really at the forefront of that uh, because it doesn't happen all too often that they're putting cornerstone content, as we refer to it, thought leadership being one of those components. How is your team divvying up and dividing up who does what? Who's taking the, who are the subject matter experts and what is the best channel for them to deliver that message? You've got a lot of products and a big team. Well, we do. And then the, uh, our product team is, is really the core of that. And they um, have each of the people there have their areas that they specialize in. And, um, and we have a, uh, um, we work with a, uh, a, uh, a PR firm that that uh, brings us opportunities, and we have a way of feeding them in so that uh, people can, when they see something come in, they can say, "Ah, that's mine." They put their their their, their pretty picture on it, and right. they run with it. Um, and it's a it's a great team. They they're really motivated to to do stuff like that, and they really enjoy doing it. So, um, and our marketing people, when they need some content for something. Um, they do the same thing, put, put it to the, to the product team and the product team uh, members that uh, uh, have time and have the right expertise will jump on it right away. I don't have to be saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. They, they know what they, where, where their expertise is and what they like to do, and it just works right. out really well. And I love the example that you just used uh, about filling gaps with external resources like the PR firm that you've got. Uh uh, at the table. What are some of the other areas that you've helped augment internal teams with? And it could be technology too, like AI is a big discussion point these days. Right, right. Yeah, we've, we've um, brought in AI technology uh, in our products and uh, we've launched one just recently that is really getting everybody in the industry's attention because it's, you know, it's taking something that used to take people days, months to, to do uh, now it can just do it in a matter of minutes. Right. Um, it's uh, it, it's just catching people's attention going, wow, I can get this done right away. I don't have to take and make this a two-year project anymore. Um, and, and we've done that through, you know, leveraging AI technology out there. Um, we, we, we do work with a lot of uh, the... Uh, you know, the, the, the developers outside the company that have libraries, um, shareware, that kind of thing, uh, open source when when possible and be able to integrate it in as long as it can fit with us and we can support it on the platforms we need to support it on and, and uh, license it properly and all that. That's and, great. And we do have some third parties that we'll, you know, license libraries from as well. Yeah. Certain areas where they fit in again. To those That's criteria. great. You've got a lot of balls up in the air. I mean, tons. And and just, again, um, you're always thinking the light is always on. You've got 160 people um, on your team. You're heavily involved in interaction with customers, product development, um, thought leadership. How how do you make it all happen? What advice do you have for our listeners today on, on what they could do to make it all happen? 
building a strong team, you know, is, is key to it all. And, uh, you know, trying to keep the, uh, you know, the management, uh, structure there so that you don't have to do everything that you're right. basically, that you're basically just checking in with them to make sure things are going, you know, I look at it as I'm, you know, if there's a problem area, I'm there to trouble, help them troubleshoot it. Or if it's a startup situation like our like our accessibility business, I started kind of was a, a personal uh, interest, and uh, you know we are now market leader in in accessible document accessibility, creating um, documents that are digital documents that are accessible to people who are uh, blind or have low vision, uh. and uh, meeting the the you know legislation ADA and Section mm -hmm. 508 and all the rest of it. Um, but it's you know. If there's a trouble, I jump in, and if it's a startup, something new, then I'll jump in. So yeah, that's otherwise, great. Otherwise, they can, you know, they can manage those areas of the business themselves. Share the story behind how you came up with the ADA um, product. I believe that it involved your uh, mother. My mother, yeah, that's right. You know, as she was getting old, um, she uh, her eyesight started going on her and. You know, she she just couldn't read the, the the small print on different statements, and she had, you know, not only the normal household things because uh, she was um, living alone, um, but she had some investments, and she just couldn't understand the investment statements. And and uh, the every time I'd go to visit her, I'd I'd have to help her out go through those documents. She'd keep a stack for me, so when I'd show, Aww, I love that. <laughs> I'd go through them for her and I said, you know, there must be a better way, you know, there must be a way that you can read these. And I called her suppliers and they had no way. So uh, did some research and found that, you know, yeah, you can do large print and you can um, make that available to, to older people. And then part of that is also for people who are totally blind, there's Braille. And, and then of course on the digital side, there's there, at that point, there wasn't any digital solution at that time. Mm -hmm. But I said, well, there's got to be, you know, we've been we've been in the the uh, the whole bill presentment side of things. We know that's going to be needed. So I could see that coming and said, well, let, you know, let's get into it. So we started up a shop, one in Canada, one in the U.S. Uh, to do started out with large print and Braille and uh, uh, a couple other e-text and audio formats to learn the business and, and also the course, obviously to, to provide solutions for organizations. So we would do the uh, printing and mailing for or different organizations um, and uh, learned that business really well and built technology to do it digitally. And, um, and now we- uh, And voila, voila. <laughs> here you are. <laughs> what percent is of like total revenue is that idea? How, yeah, what percent of total revenue has it evolved into? That's probably about uh, between 25 and 30% of our business now. Fantastic. That's amazing. That's how, you know, like when you're able to turn your mind off from the day-to-day -day busyness of running, it's, you know, it's the whole idea of taking a shower. That's where the best ideas come. Mine happens to be driving or on a walk in the evening. I just, when your mind shuts off, the ideas come to you. Um, and that's very similar to the situation with your mom. It was like you needed to get out of the office and look at what out of the office did for 30% of your revenue at this stage. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is, you know, that that whole uh, 
you know, seeing seeing what people are doing uh, really really can exit, which is, you know, what our uh, our sales teams like to do is if they can go on site and and tour a tour a, a shop or something like that, they can really get ideas about what what the customer needs or where they've got problems and things that are not quite working. So yeah, that's um, great. That's wonderful. What is next? What's around the corner uh, for for the company? Well, um, continued growth. We uh, you know are seeing uh, lots of strength in all the areas that we uh, that we're doing business in, and um, we've uh, formed some good partnerships um, with new new partners over the last couple of years that are that are growing, that are really doing some interesting, exciting things, and and uh, working with them to satisfy their customer needs. And uh, you know, AI obviously and cloud are two to the biggest areas are right our, the cloud has been a, a slow uptake for our our customers because you know they come from having there's so much uh confidential information private uh, information private health information personal information in their documents that you know up until a few years ago um they didn't even those weren't even online they were offline in a shop someplace where there was no connectivity to the mm-hmm. internet or anything and so they've come a long way now to, to actually do some of that work in the cloud and um, so we're we're getting seeing a lot of, of growth in that area and of course AI as we come up with new AI products to to help uh, make things less expensive uh, easier to implement and organizations are really you know they love that because it's something they want to snap their fingers these days and make it happen right and right I can do that well, I tell you, Ernie, you are such an inspiration and I just love how your mind works. Um, it's the true entrepreneurial mindset where you, you're you constantly innovating and disrupting markets, uh, which we haven't talked a lot about today, but you've truly disrupted um, a lot of markets and congratulations on your sex- success. I can't wait to see what's around the corner for you. And I deeply appreciate uh, the time that you spent with us today. Well, thanks a lot, Laurie. It's been been great talking with you. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. This episode is complete. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for more ways to scale and grow your business. And be sure to tune in regularly for insights and motivation with host Laurie Jones and her guests on the Integrate and Ignite Marketing Podcast.